Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing today? Doing well, Steve. Good to see you again. Great to be back with you. So today we're going to talk about process outsourcing. Uh, Our second episode around the outsourcing idea, if uh, you're joining us for the first time and haven't heard that prior episode, we talked about project outsourcing uh, in quite a bit of detail. It was actually a fun episode for us to do. Today we want to talk about process outsourcing and what that means. So second type of outsourcing that a insurance agent or broker could take a look at in their own operation. And I know that there are actually a pretty significant number of agents and brokers out there that are currently doing this. And we'll talk a bit about some of the firms and ways they can do this or or, uh, organizations that they can work with. But let's just start at the very beginning. What do we mean by process outsourcing? You know, from, from my perspective, you look at tasks that have to be done consistently throughout that don't take a whole, whole lot of insurance knowledge, something that you can kind of package up in, I would define it as that that soul-sucking task that we've talked about, things that, that take away from the enjoyment of the employee and, and getting that out of the organization. I think it's a much more strategic allocation than that project outsourcing that we were talking about. So I think there's much more back-end work that has to be done because you've got to identify the task, you've got to identify the workflow, you've got to find the partnership, and you've got to build kind of the feedback loop. Okay, so I love that phrase, soul-sucking tasks. Explain that a little bit more. So with outsourcing, I, I find that how we position it with the employees is correlated to the success of it. So if we position it to the employees as, hey, we're going to come in and take your work away, that's a problem. The employee doesn't know where they stand. Are you taking my job? Yada, yada. If you can get that employee to tell you what tasks they hate to do, that gives you a very easy way to say, hey, staff member, we're going to get the stuff you hate to do off your desk so you can do more of the stuff you like to do. When you say soul-sucking task, it's the things that actively detract from the engagement and the happiness of that employee. Stuff they don't like to do. Stuff they don't like to do. Stuff they hate to do. And every employee probably has a list of things that they're like, oh, gosh. Policy checking is one of them, right? I mean, policy checking is hard. Oh, it's hard. It's... Tedious, soul sucking. I mean, I, that's why I like that phrase so much. And and many agencies that I've been in, there's always somewhere, typically in the back of the office, a pile of white paper right. could be feet tall. What's that? Well, those are policies that need to be checked. Yeah. When are they going to be checked? When we have time. That's right. right? When do you have time? Never. I mean, it, it, and it's probably one of the most important tasks in an agency. That policy comes in. Is it accurate? That's right. right? Does, Do does we need ref- to make changes? Does it reflect what we have in the system? I mean, that's where your E and O reduction comes in, right? Absolutely. It's probably one of the biggest E and O protections that an agency can do, and maybe one of the last things that typically gets done. Gets done. Hey, if your policy checking, I mean, there's a metric. How long, once that policy is bound, do you check it against what you think it has versus what the system says? Because a lot of times that lag time is six months. Yeah. That's problematic. That's unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, really. Certainly in operational excellence, that's unacceptable. Absolutely. Customer service experience, unacceptable. That's right. Right. 
So that's, again, an example. We'll get into a few more examples of what could be outsourced. But how do you find those tasks that are key wins or initial wins to be able to have someplace else outside the agency organization complete those tasks for you? Well, I mean, I think you can start with that internal list. I think you can look at peer partners to see. I mean, policy checking is a very easy one to to do because everybody has to do it. Nobody does it great, so you're not moving a whole lot of weight when you move policy checking. What you start, you start to do what you're supposed to do. The other things, though, I mean, there is no limit to what we can see being outsourced. If that's filling out your agency management system from a spreadsheet, because it's arduous for your staff to do it. And I mean, again, you're trying to eliminate turnover in these roles. Direct bill reconciliation, what a pain in the butt that is, right? It's this rote task that you have an employee there that's just crunching away at numbers. That person ain't staying there for very long. You get two years out of them, then you got to retrain somebody. Any of those tasks that really seem like, oh, gosh, I hate doing this, that are not time sensitive. You know, a lot of places try to do certificates. It's a little more complicated because some certificates are time sensitive. Correct. You know, <clears throat> um, but by I, the way, I might argue that self-service certificates are a very viable option for any agency, but we'll hold that for right, another episode. Right. So, and, and I, I think that you know you can start with those tasks that your staff indicates. I, I don't think there's a better way to get engagement from your staff than to ask them what they hate to do. Well, and and what a great way to set this up, mm-hmm. right? As you started out saying, it's not we're going to take your work away from you. We're going to take work that you don't like to do that you're having to do now away from you. So a different mindset is created right. and a potentially higher success level of implement- implementation of this type of process. Big time, I think. I think it's how you position it is. So if you tell that account manager that they have a secretary now that's going to be able to do all the things that they hate to do, you'd be surprised at how much work they're able to get over there. Yeah. And again, I think that's key in terms of positioning it correctly right. within the organization as you're uh, as you're looking at this. So we've talked a little bit. Let's. What are some more items? Let's just give our listeners a, a bit of an idea of the types of things that could be outsourced. I've seen um, where certain agencies have set up forms for their clients to fill out for new business, like take notary bonds. And so the client will fill that out. That actually will email to your outsourcer. Your outsourcer will then process that. This is not typically client-facing stuff. Like they're not talking to clients on the phone. This is going to be endorsement processing. That's how we, you know, we do a lot of our endorsement processing that way. And a lot of the agencies do. You know, mm-hmm. I actually think there's a metric in an agency. I don't know what that metric is yet. Per million dollars of business for X kind of business, you should have Y number of outsourced employees. Ah, okay. And so the ratio is there. So you're teasing us. You don't know what that number is yet? Because because it's right now when you talk to some of these outsourcing companies, what they will tell you is that their staff member that is being utilized is being underutilized. And when you talk to some of the staff members that are using that outsourcer, there might not be a lot of trust there because of the way it was positioned and brought in. The more you work with them, the more patience you have, the more success you have, the more stuff you're able to roll off. Your staff has to have trust that that work is going to be done effectively. I will tell you this. Every task, every process you outsource, the first six months is going to be more arduous than it was before you outsourced it because you're training that person, you're catching the errors, you're training that company on your way to do it. So it takes more involvement. You've got to set that expectation. Then after six months, though, it's hands off pretty much, you mm-hmm. know, and you're done with it. But that's not an easy button. There is no easy button here, right? It Identify these processes. That's endorsements. 
The easy win is policy checking, filling out forms. Uh, sometimes I've seen them go into carrier websites. You know, mm-hmm. you have an Excel spreadsheets of, of data. They go into the carrier websites and they fill that stuff in. So a couple of things that I've seen that I think are uh, potentially great activities to outsource include new business setup, mm-hmm. right? So producer comes in. Uh, probably a larger account, and they have whatever material that they've gathered. It could be applications, could be existing policies, could be claims information or requests for claims information, right? All kind, all whatever is needed to start working on an account. Well, somebody's got to put that into the system, right. typically, mm-hmm. right? So log that in. We got to create our accord forms. We've got to do what all those things. We've got to request loss runs. We've got to do the whole list That's of right. items. And where I've seen some some real wins is that producer being able to bring that in in an electronic format or scanned into an electronic format. And then the outsourcer person company picks that up and then actually enters all of that data into the agency management system. Rating? Rating, rating. for select accounts? I've well, I was going to say, the, the, uh, that was the, the next one I was going to talk about is uh, small commercial. The, mm-hmm. the small commercial... Absolutely believe this, and I know this from talking to a lot of insurance company people. Small commercial is among their most profitable business and their most loyal. Stays with them the longest. But for an agency and broker, it's the most expensive to put on the books. Right. Because I would point to a single. One is marketing, how to get attention. But, but next in line is how do I actually get a number? How do I get a price? Small commercial rating systems are scattered and, you know, we'll talk about that later perhaps, but having somebody go in to the carrier websites, which is what you need to do to get a accurate number and do three, four or five quotes overnight. So you have them the next morning could be a real benefit. So you think about this, you think about a perfect state where if, if I was an agency that had a, that had a small commercial department that had externally facing forms for my clients prospects to fill out those forms would then be delivered to the account manager the account manager could then say you know what based on what i see here i want you to rate at these three carriers send that on to the outsourcer right who is really a business partner at that point we we think of them as an employee you Mm -hmm. know they're an employee that person comes in at eight o'clock at night our time they rate through the evening right the employee comes back at 8 a.m they have their quotes done You've changed the experience for the consumer customer because now you've got it back so quickly. You've gone to these places. You're able to deliver the quote, and nobody knows the difference. And and you took some of the soul-sucking work away from that account manager, allowing them to strategize on that risk more effectively. And I've seen that. I mean, I've seen that in work being done in practice right now. Yeah, absolutely. And part of what it helps also for agency management, owner, again, whatever that looks like in your organization, it actually allows you to manage those carrier relationships because right now I'm convinced that agency owners have no idea what's going on at the desktop, Sure. that the account manager is making the decisions on where that business is placed, and it's likely based on how fast can I get a quote from their agent portal, which is certainly an, uh, one piece of it, but 
that may not be actually the best place for no, the with, client to be. That's right. And it may not be the most strategically sound for the agency at all. Absolutely. As, as well. I mean, if I've got great coverage with uh, carrier A and great coverage with carrier B, but I have some, some financial um, wins that I may be able to recoup by placing that with A, if I place it with B, I'm just leaving money on the table. Right. Right. No question. So, so it allows more of that uh, management of, of carrier relationships to, to happen. Well, I think you, you talk, think about scalability. Too. One of the things we talk about a lot is scalability, right? How do we drive efficiencies? Well, how much more can my account manager do without doing that, that manual rote task? Mm -hmm. You know, they can spend more time doing the activities that drive value for our clients, which to me is, is what we're all trying to get to. No right? question. Yeah, no question about it. So, so we've identified some tasks and, and actually if you talk to various organizations and, and we'll give you a some idea of who those might be in a, in a little bit. But if you talk to various organizations, they've got 100 or 200 or, I mean, they've got a lot got of a different yeah. things that they can do. So start with a few and then commit to adding I, and, and, and I would continue. say start with one. Start with okay. one because that will allow you to start to understand the challenges that that the communication, your communication and your operations has to be on par to really make this work because your workflows have to be pretty well defined. And some of these folks will help you define those workflows, but that means you have to adhere to them. And so I think you start with one that's impactful. You, you, you take eight months, get that thing in place, get it working. Everybody has faith that it can be successful. At that point, you can you can go ahead and go full bore into it. I've seen some, some challenges when you start three or four or five processes and you lose the feedback loop, you lose the buy-in, everybody's getting confused about it. You know? Well, and I want to go back to the word you used, which is trust. You need to build trust yes. from your current staff to the outsourcing staff that actually they're going to do a good job. Most important thing. I mean, because – like we said in the beginning, it, it, it's going to take more work initially to get that work to the outsourcer than it did because your staff members are going to have to check their work and build that trust and figure out where they're making mistakes and, and get back to the outsourcer and say, hey, this is the problem. Can we fix this? And there's a lot of iteration. So you've got to set the expectation. Too often I see it sold like this to the account manager. Hey, we're going to take that task from you and you're never going to have to mess with it again. And the reality is they'd have to mess with it again. They have to go double check it. They lose the clarity on where they stand with that process because there's not a good communication loop that's created. So start with one. Start with something that, that's relatively simple. Figure out how the company that you're working with works. Then you'll be ready to tackle the next ones. Yeah, and I, and I think something to keep in mind is actually a comment I think you made before we started recording is think about it like a new employee, mm -hmm. right? New employee, would you fire in two weeks? Well, not normally. You'd give them a couple of months to get up to speed and to you'd adjust and correct if they're not doing something the way you want. Well, outsourcing, you need to think about like a new employee and give them some time to understand your process and, and how you want things done and adjust. With the, the outsourcing companies that I've worked for and the partners that I've worked with, I believe that if the agency fails at being able to outsource common tasks, it's not that entity's 
fault. It's the organization's communication problems that impedes that. It's because they're looking for reasons for it not to succeed. You know, when we're talking to account managers, you know, they want they want to make sure their job is secure. They want to make sure they've got a bright future. So it's how you sell that thing. It's how you bring it in, how you set the expectations. I think it's so critically important because, like you said, I mean, a new employee has eight months to, to get up to speed. I've seen them turn on an outsource uh, on an outsourced partner in in two mistakes, you know, because if they have to do duplicate work, they're not sending that stuff anymore. Now they're back to to the drudgery, drudgery of, of, right. of doing it. And of course, the C levels think, hey, mm. we brought outsourcing in that helps everybody. There's a disconnect because they don't understand the challenge at the desktop, and the the people sitting at the desktop are like, we don't outsource anything because we it didn't wasn't successful. Wasn't yeah. So I mean, it didn't work. It, it didn't quote work. Un, That's quote correct. Unquote. Right. It didn't work. And so I think setting that expectation initially of that feedback loop being created and all that. Some of these companies are super good at it uh, at helping you understand that though. So I think choosing that partner is is a very very critical aspect of it. Sure. So we've talked about some of the positive things. What are what are some drawbacks? I think the first one that comes to mind is going to be security. Security. Right? Security and political. The, the political perception externally that, that we think we're going to incur. Meaning? Uh, so let's separate security and political sure, perception. Sure, sure, sure. So really two issues there. One is, so I would say m- most, there, we'll talk about examples, but most are international, right? Mm-hmm. Either yeah. China or India. Uh, so certainly there's a question there about security of data and who has access to my data and all of those kinds of things. So that's obviously a... A question that any organization that considers this needs to be comfortable right. that there are appropriate answers and, to and, their and safeguards in place, safeguards and, and all of that. So that's the security piece. Mm-hmm. The political perception piece is what will people think of us outsourcing jobs, right? right? Sending right. jobs overseas. And I think you've got two aspects, kind of like you'd indicated earlier, is you've got the one internal that you're going to be fighting against, absolutely. And then you have the perception of what will clients think of this, mm-hmm. right? I don't know that we've ever, in the organizations that I've been a part of, have run into the client perception. It's, it's always more of an internally held perception that they will think something different. Mm-hmm. Inversely, every time we've ever outsourced anything, you have to deal with the internal turmoil. Internal. Yeah. yeah, and I would say the internal is is certainly the bigger one. Yeah, because it's it, it will dictate your success or failure. You know, if if you come in and say, "Hey, we're going to outsource all, all this stuff," and you don't really lay it out, you, you're not. It's not going to be successful. Yeah, and I, I experienced this fairly recently with a, a organization that I did some consulting with, and and uh, one of the things that they did was to start outsourcing uh, with one of the companies and the CEO you know, as we were talking, uh, said, you know, the pretty significant pushback on the employee side. This was in a more conservative Midwest and, right, again, that kind of thing. He was committed because he knew that they needed to start experimenting with this just in terms of finding staff and, right, all of the things that we've talked about is why. And, uh, you know, so he was committed to pushing that forward. But pretty significant communication issue internally for, for that organization. And this is a, you know, 100 employee, five, six location. So it was a, a larger firm. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I see that uh, all over. I think we're getting better about explaining why it's necessary. And, and again, some of the partners that we've worked with are very good at helping our staff understand why we're doing that. I mean, typically, this is not a job reduction strategy. You know, the staff always thinks of it as such. But it's more of a, hey, we want to pay our good employees more and we want to put them on the tasks that drive their engagement better so they last, you know, they're here with us longer, they're happier employees, they're, uh, all of the bonuses that come with that. 
But you've got to figure out how you set that message and set that message accurately and correctly and make sure people aren't in fear. Right. If people are in fear, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Right. Yeah. No question about that. Uh, So we have political security, time difference. Time difference. So plus, right? So again, a pro and con, right? So the plus of that is that certainly with India and China, approximately 12 hours. Actually, India is 10 and a half and China's 12. So in essence, you go home, they come in. Mm -hmm. So they're working overnight. So when your comment of at 8 o'clock in the morning when you come in, their stuff is done because they've they've been working all night. That's right problem is if they have any issues with accessing your system or right any of those who wants to get a call at 2 a.m. in the morning and and i will get a call at 2 a.m. in the morning (laughs) (laughs) my ceo i bet your wife uh, is uh, really happy about that my my coo is not shy (laughs) she will call me in a second if if i can't get our our team involved okay uh, um that's always her first question is is can they get in on the system you know yeah right and so that is an issue. And it's, again, it's thinking strategically, okay, how are we going to handle that? Or, yeah, and how know, do you do backups? I mean, it changes, it changes everything, really. But, you know, I think, again, those are relatively negligible problems for the, the gain that you get. I mean, you look at an agency that five years ago chose to go that route and try to perfect it versus an agency that doesn't. The agency that did is more profitable, there's mm. no doubt. And they're providing higher level of value to both their employees and their clients. Yeah, and again, I want to emphasize that point. The agencies that have started this process are more profitable. Absolutely. Well, because their transaction processing is costing them less. You know, the most expensive so, thing is, is... Is your people. That's right. Right. And According are, to survey, I mean, literally everything. for years, it's 64 to 67 percent right. of all agency expense is directly related to staff That's and right. salaries. And so, I mean, these guys are, you know, you're, you're able to pick somebody up from between $25,000 and $40,000 a year that is a 40-hour-a-week worker for you, mm-hmm. you know, that they are trained, they have backups trained for this task. So if, you know, Sally that's over in China gets sick, Bob can step right into that and do it with no hitch whatsoever. I mean, we saw that when we, we outsourced very long ago direct bill process, direct bill reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Because we couldn't keep an employee there. Right. Every eight months, they'd get burned out of doing all that dan- the, the the drudgery. The drudgery. That's right. Yep. <clears throat> so then we sent it over to India back in the day, and we, we just didn't have any problems. It was something that we could pretty much forget about at that point in time. Right. You know? Right. And so I, I think it's a huge, huge... It is something that I talk about from a strategic level when I'm talking to the principals of agencies. How much are you outsourcing? What is your plan to continue to... But I think of it as more of an, a, a trending up of your current staff, of giving them more time to provide that value than getting – because every year it's like an onion. You should be sending more and more and more stuff out there. And as you get better at it, you're able to qu- more quickly identify more. what can go. What can go. That's right. And what should go. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk a little bit in our last few minutes about some of the firms. So I break them out into domestic and international. I would say the primary, uh, again, I want your input here for anything you know, but I would say the primary domestic outsourcing firm is Wave, mm-hmm. work at home, vintage expert. I think they've rebranded. It used to be vintage employee. Uh, so Wave are account managers, CSRs that have worked at least 20 years in an agency mm-hmm. and either retired and only want to work part time or whatever that situation might be, or just you know are working from home or all kinds of different situations there. Uh, I would say the main difference with them is that person can be on the phone with clients. They, they so can. they can be a full account manager position that's outsourced. They uh, almost, I don't believe, 
I don't say never, I don't know that, but the vast majority of them are remote. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole nother mindset change in terms of agency having an employee who's not physically in the office. Uh, But that's a great option. It is. And I think that, you know, when you look at that wave model, it really is trying to give you an employee that is a extension of your team that you can, they're awake when you're awake, typically they're working when you're working. So maybe you would hire one wave person to do contract reviews or they're your certificate person, right? They do all your certificates. Um, So I think that that they absolutely can be allocated in effective ways. Yeah, and the benefit there is they have experience. Uh, Wave actually does a pretty extensive check, not just background, but skills and abilities, and does a pretty good job of matching the Wave person with the agency culture, culture. Yep. right? So it uh, certainly is an option there. So international, as I mentioned earlier, two primary ones, China and India, although I'm seeing a few other perkle sure. up here and there that I'm Keeping an eye on. Sure. Uh, China primarily is Resource Pro. My favorite. They're, they're, they're my favorite strategic business partner that I have ever worked with. That's I, great. Ben, they are solely dedicated to the insurance industry. They have an innovation lab in Nebraska where they are hiring more and more American workers to do that insurance work. I'm very close to them. In both the agencies I've worked with, I've had relationships with them. They are an engagement. I mean, you think about an employee engagement strategy. I believe RSP, Resource Pro, is a engagement, an employee engagement strategy because it will take that, the bad stuff off your employees. Yeah, and I, I had the opportunity, I think, two years ago, last October, actually to fly to China mm-hmm. and see their operation. Yeah. At that time, it was, I think, uh, one location. I believe they have three now. I can't remember exactly, but... Uh, very impressive in oh, terms of training, how they hire, the process, even the the work area and environment. Yeah. Um, and again, security, they have all the... Yeah, they are straight up a add-on to your agency. They work as employees of your agency. You get dedicated team members that learn your agency. You know, they send you Christmas pictures and they, they, they do all kinds of neat stuff for you. I, I think that um, agencies that partner with them and use them effectively will be successful. And and can't disagree with you on that one. The potential issue with Resource Pro is they typically uh, are only viable for larger organizations. So, and I don't know their numbers now, so in terms, but they typically want two, three, or four people. There is a bit of flexibility potentially there, but they want two, three, or four full-time people as part of your agency organization. And for a smaller organization, that's probably not likely or viable. So they tend to focus on the larger Mm -hmm. uh, agents and and brokers. So then we have the other side of the world, I guess, or close. I have to think of my globe now, but uh, India. And there are several firms there uh, from uh, Patra, I would say, been around a while. That's right. Uh, Marble Box, uh, relatively, I would say, two, three, four years maybe-ish, maybe been around a little longer. Vantage Gora, and I know I'm probably forgetting somebody who's going to email us and tell us, why didn't you mention us? But there, there are a number of individual or firms there. Um, and I think when you look at Potra, I mean, they've got, they've got that business process outsourcing, right, mm-hmm. the BPO kind of stuff. And then they also have where you can give them your select book, right? Mm-hmm. They'll deal the whole, They'll deal the whole thing. thing and give you some points on it. Now, I, I have a hard time with that just because of the profitability of that book if you're not paying producers on it, you know? Right. But it is at least something to keep be aware of. You know, if you're trying that scale play, that scalability, uh, 
deal the efficiencies, there are different solutions out there. And so Patra definitely has some flexibility to help in different ways. I, I know many agencies that work with them. Yeah. And and I would say with Marblebox, I've, I've met their CEO and uh, they really are focused on the smaller organization. Yeah. And their model is different. There's a per hour charge. Mm -hmm. They do have a minimum number of hours per month, but it's very viable for even a two, three, four person office to, as you say, get some of those tasks out to somebody else to actually do. And I actually have a number of agencies I've been following who are utilizing them now. And again, profitability, they're growing because... Their staff is more concentrated on the value that's services right. that, that they can provide. You can stop worrying about bringing on X person that's going to, yeah, I mean, you, you can focus more on getting that key account manager, mm-hmm. that key AE, you know, than, hey, we need administrative work for this, that, and the other. So I think it allows your HR to focus. Uh, I just, I believe it's strategically necessary for folks to look at this and to understand it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and I always say it may not be right for you, but if you're not examining it seriously, you're, you're potentially missing out on an opportunity to enhance your operations and profitability. Big time, so big bottom, time. bottom line. Well, great discussion. Any last thoughts on either tips or things that uh, our I mean, listeners should should do? You know, we're, we're not trying to pitch vendors by any means, but I would absolutely reach out. If you don't have an awareness of this stuff, reach out to one of these organizations. Shoot an email and just say, hey, can you send me a list of capabilities? We will upload a list of tasks that a couple agencies that we work with uh, put out there and have have offshored or have this this help with. But don't be afraid of it. I mean, you've got, again... The more tools that you have in your belt to help your staff deal with problems, the better that staff is going to be. And this is such a huge tool for so much of this work. Great. Well, Ryan, always a pleasure. You too, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Digital Broker with Steve and Ryan. Let us know what you think and send us your questions by emailing us at digitalbroker at useindio.com. That's U-S-E-I-N-D-I-O. Also, please leave us a review on whatever platform you use to get this podcast. It really does help. Thanks, and have a great day. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Please send us your questions and comments, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio provides insurance agents and brokers a fully digital application, renewal, and accord submission process, creating a first-rate client experience. With less time needed to collect, rekey, and process applications, agencies using Indio can deliver more value to their clients. To learn more, go to www.useindio.com.